This is Hope Through the Fire, a bi-weekly podcast that highlights the stories of people who have faced great trials but found lasting hope through Christ and His Word. We are Bob and Kelly, and we'll be your host as we walk through these beautiful stories of hope. God has become incredibly real to us through some of our own personal trials, and we want to help you find that same joy even in difficult times. We believe these stories will inspire you to look for the beauty in the ashes and experience God's grace. So let's get started. everybody and welcome to our very first official episode of the hope to the fire podcast i'm your host kelly here along with my husband bob we are so excited about today's episode i remember when we were first making plans just thinking through ideas for our podcast and the crazy conversations that we had about what we would talk about for our first episode yeah we had a lot of ideas but when you suggested that we should share a very familiar story about three young men who face religious persecution i knew we were on to something this is a familiar story that we're going to share but it's one that has made a big impact and i think it'll be a helpful reminder to anyone going through a difficult time but first before we get into the story we want to give a shout out to a few folks who have made this podcast possible. First of all, we want to give a shout out to Financially Simple, and that's a podcast and it's a great source of material by our friend Justin Goodbread. You know, financial times can be tough, and if you need some good advice, we highly recommend Financially Simple. Look this podcast up. We also want to mention the Everyday Christian Network. It's hosted by Matt McMorris, who's been a great help to us in getting our own podcast started. This network has something for everyone. Check them out on Facebook. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with upcoming episodes. Like us on Facebook and Twitter and share your story by contacting us through our contact page on HopeThroughTheFire.com. We really want to hear how God has helped you through the fire. and Maybe well, you can have an opportunity to share it right here with us on this podcast. Well, in the last few days, we've had a little bit of a melancholy anniversary for us. Yeah, we have. Not something we really celebrated, but as we were preparing to put this podcast together, we realized this has been a year since we've been back in the States. At the beginning of March 2020, we flew back to America, and it was a really tough time for us as we had to move out of the home that we loved. We put all of our belongings into storage. We said goodbye to a lot of people that we loved dearly hoping that it would just be for six months. We got onto a plane, not really knowing what our future was going to hold for us. Wow. Can you believe it's already been a year that we've been here in the States? No. Time, time's fun when you're having flies. <laughs> exactly. We've, but we've seen God do some great things this year, and it's not the year that we expected or planned, but we've, we've met some very encouraging people. We've seen some great things. God has been with us through the entire year. You know, 2020 was a long, weird year that seemed to last forever. It was definitely a weird year. In some ways, it seems like we've been here longer than a year, mainly because hashtag 2020 and all of it's fun. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> yes. But in some ways, it feels like we just got back yesterday. Yeah, I haven't forgotten the culture shock and adjustment that it was being back here in the States. You know, that may sound a little weird that we have culture shock being back in our own home country here in good old America. 
But somehow after living in another country like Germany, even though it's a first world country and it has a lot of similarities to America, it's a different world. Uh, what was your biggest culture shock, Gal? Oh, goodness. Um, turning right on red. Yes. That's something that people don't do in Germany. You sit through the whole light. Mm -hmm. um, driving 65 or 70 miles per hour when you're on the interstate. That's <laughs> definitely fest. takes so long to get used to. You feel like you're creeping and crawling. Walmart. I know that sounds crazy. Walmart. We have large supermarkets in Germany, so mm -hmm. it's not, but I don't know. There's just nothing quite as super as Walmart, I guess. Right. Supermarkets and like Walmart are, they're massive. I don't know why for some reason I get super overwhelmed by the bread and cereal aisle. <laughs> There's an entire section of bread. Yes. And they're all pretty much the same. There's not like there's a lot of differing between them. It's just so many different brands, I guess. I don't know, but we don't have quite that much crazy bread in there, but I don't know. I would say one thing that I have missed about Germany the most is the bread. And I know you don't agree. We right. have very differing opinions on right. the bread, but I miss a good Kürbiskernsemmel. I like my Wonder Bread. So, so Kürbiskernsemmel is pumpkin seed bread, for those of you who do not know. And oh my word, it is so delicious. So, so good. It's big, giant pumpkin seeds all through it and in it. And mm, Bob hates them. Yeah, it's like a hockey puck, you know? Yeah. It's kind of hard, but soft in the inside, but it's all right. But not my big, my, not my cup of tea. My culture shock is the size of the drinks that, that you get here at the restaurants. If you go to McDonald's, you go to Wendy's, you order a medium Do we Coke. go to McDonald's? No, we don't go to McDonald's. But if we did go to McDonald's <laughs> and you order a medium-sized Coke, it's like a gallon of Coke. It's amazing how big the medium size is. And so I always have to remember to get the small size. And if, if I don't, well, then we'd be pretty busy. And it's the same when you get ice cream. If you get a little, you want yeah. just a small ice cream, you got a gallon. It's, it's huge. It's enough for the family. It, it blows my mind. So there was a lot of things that we had to get used to when we got back here to the States. And uh, we, we have a desire to get back to Germany as soon as we can. That's in our heart. We don't know what, if God will change those things. But our heart is to go back and give the gospel to the German-speaking people. COVID slowed that down. We've tr we're trying to uh, raise funds to get back to Germany. We know God has a plan and a time frame for us. And so in the upcoming episodes, we want to share with you what caused us to leave our ministry in Germany and have to basically start over. But today, we want to dive deeper into this phrase, even if. If you missed the first intro podcast, we talked about this phrase, even if. And, and even if moments are those times in life when everything is not looking promising, when life is one hurdle after another, you know, when the difficulties have no end in sight, that those are the times when we remain determined to follow God and see his hand in all things. It's a definitive moment to remain faithful to God no matter the situation. So we'd like to share kind of through a series of even if moments that we've experienced. Sadly, we didn't just experience one, but over the past year and a half, we've experienced many even if moments. And hopefully by hearing our moments, it would encourage you to discover even if moments in your own life. Our very first even if moment was extremely difficult for us. It really ripped apart everything we were comfortable with. At first it was crushing, but over time, God has allowed us to see the work that he's done in our lives to make him more like him. And it's honestly been extremely liberating for us. So for the past 10 plus years, we've been on a journey of lining up our traditions, our preferences, our ministry approach with God's word. It really began while we were raising funds to go to Germany for the first time. 
many, many years ago. We would visit churches with varying preferences and styles. We, they would send us questionnaires that were all across the board in regard to their preferences. It really forced us to study God's Word for ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. And we really tried to line everything up closely with His Word as best as we could. After arriving in Germany and being confronted with a different culture, we, we faced many things that were totally different than what we were used to. And we had to take God's word and see which of those things were more of a tradition we had practiced or something that was truly from God's word. And so, for example, the German churches that we were attending and serving in, they didn't have Sunday school uh, before the morning service. That was something that we were used to in the States. They didn't even have a Sunday evening service. We were always taught three to thrive, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And so we had to take God's word, study the matter out ourselves, and realize uh, if this was more of an American or even a Baptist tradition, which, while it wasn't wrong for those things that we did, it also wasn't mandated in Scripture. Something as simple as passing an offering plate, which isn't done in most churches in Germany, was something we had to look into. Honestly, it was an amazing time for us, I think. I mean, if you remember back to that time, we were digging deep into God's Word for the first time and making things personal for ourselves and Mm -hmm. a, a personal conviction or preference that we had, not just taking someone's word for it, but understanding it for ourselves. Um, there were many things that we slowly began to change on as we saw truth from God's Word. And we realized that there were many areas where we were placing preferences and even traditions, standards above God's Word, and we were taking a lot of things out of context. In 2019, we had a family from our sending church come to visit us in Germany, and they had the desire to come work with us and be involved in the mission work there. And we had many talks before they they came, and we tried to help them understand that we we tried to line everything up biblically with the decisions we made for our family and church, and some of those things were a little different than what they were used to. They assured us they wanted to learn from us, and because we were the, they, the from their own words, we were the veteran missionaries, and and they wanted to understand how things uh, were, were like in Germany. We told them we wanted to be tr- completely transparent with them, and we hoped that they would be with us. And so we explained our doctrine was the same, that that had not changed, but some philosophical things were different. And as they asked questions about the ministry when they finally arrived and they were, we were, they were getting in, into the trip, they, we started to reveal some of the philosophical changes that we had made, and, and they became very uncomfortable. And they said that they needed to tell the pastor of the church from where we were both from. That was one of the things that they said. They confronted us with that. And after much prayer and then counsel from a few pastors, uh, Kelly and I composed a a letter to our pastor uh, explaining how we had come to a different biblical view than he had and explained why and how. It was was done in a very respectful way. Um, I apologize for going against his authority because he was our sending pastor. And that while I couldn't change my philosophy, I could change my actions if that's what he wanted me to do. And I was just trying to get the conversation started, hoping that maybe we can see what the next step was. And so because of the nature of this podcast, it's not to discuss preferences or convictions or whatever. Um, we, we just want to point people to Christ. I really don't want to go in on talking about all what the particular thing was that led to this letter, but I'm willing to discuss it if you personally contact me. 
But in that letter, I asked uh, the pastor to contact me and at his convenience so that we could talk further about it and decide how to go forward. So this letter was our first even-if moment. We honestly had no idea how the pastor would respond. We had some thoughts about what it might be, but we, we didn't really know. So we were pretty terrified. That's a, that's a strong word, I know, but that's exactly how we felt. We were terrified, uh, but we knew that God was in control, and we knew that God had our future in his hands. We had to say, even if God doesn't choose to let this go well, we're trusting him for our future. And so I hate to leave you with the cliffhanger, and there's more to that story that we could share, but I think it's a good place to put a pause on our story so that we can have plenty of time to talk about the three young men who faced religious persecution. And so we'll share more about our story in the upcoming episodes. And our story is much different than the three friends that we're going to interview, interview, I say in quotes, um, today, but the results were the same. We had to make a decision just like they do, that when a moment came where we had to say, even if to whatever, God, whatever plan God had for our lives, even if it wasn't the plan that we had or the plan that we wanted, we had to say, even if. And we want to give credit to these guys because I believe they coined the term, even if. Um, there were many people who had had even if moments before their story, um, but I feel like they were the trendsetters in making this uh, famous quote or famous phrase. And I think Br uh, Bart Millard, the man from Mercy Me who wrote the song Even If, I think he was thinking about these guys when he wrote our title song. If you get a chance to hear Bart's story and how the Lord led him to write that song, even if, I highly recommend it. It's a great story um, of a very low time in his life that God used that yes. even if moment, even if you choose not to change my circumstance, I tr choose to trust you. Yes. And these three guys that we're going to talk about today, they went through the epitome of a difficult time. Honestly, can't even understand their life was at stake. We mm -hmm. never had our lives at stake through the fire that we went through. But they had determined long before this moment that even if God didn't rescue them, they were willing to walk through that fire rather than worship a false god. And in case you haven't guessed who we're talking about, we are referring to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or better known by their Babylonian names, that were given them by Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm sure you've heard the story probably a hundred times if you grew up in church, just like we have. A quick recap of their story is that these three guys were taken captives, probably in their teen years. They were taken to a new land where they had to learn a new culture, learn a new language, and were given new names. That's a lot in a short amount of time. I remember when we first moved to Germany, we were doing some of the similar things, not quite to the extent that they did, but we had to learn a new language. We had to experience a new culture, eat new foods that mm -hmm. we'd never eaten before. It was incredibly overwhelming, and but we had made the choice to go there. Mm -hmm. I think that's our big, biggest difference between us and our three friends. We knew what God's plan that this was God's plan for us, and we were following him. But I'm trying to imagine having all this forced on you. Exactly. These these young guys, they, they had their entire identity taken from them. And for a Hebrew, their identity was found in their name. And Hananiah, that means Jehovah is gracious. Mishael means who is like God. Azariah means Jehovah has helped. And so when they got to Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar gave them these new names, they, they, their whole identity was kind of changed because Nebuchadnezzar just didn't give them uh, simple names like Joe or Mike. No, he gave them names that were after Babylonian gods. And these gods were not gods 
that these three young men worshipped. They worshipped one God. They worshipped the true and living God, Jehovah. I can't imagine uh, how disheartening this was for them. But these three young men knew that that God was their God, and they belonged to him. And that, that didn't change because of their new surroundings or circumstances. And even though everything in their life was taken away, they knew that their identity was sealed in Jehovah. I've always been so fascinated by this story as a kid. Yes. I remember Sunday school, I was always like, oh, yes, it's this one again, even <laughs> though I'd heard it a thousand times. These guys were the epic superheroes of the Bible, I feel like, especially if you're a boy. Like these guys, yes. they wore the longest cape with the biggest <laughs> S on the front of it. <laughs> but this has to be one of the most famous stories that, that have ever been told. Along with Daniel, these guys, they win the Courage Award. I honestly don't know if I would have been as brave as they were. But I feel like we need to follow Nebuchadnezzar's example as we get on with the story because we're going to mention their names quite often. I think we need to give them some different names. Yes. A little more abbreviated, maybe, I don't know, Shad, Mesh, and Abe. Does that work? That sounds good. It's a mouthful to try to say their names over and over. So we're, we're good with Shad, Mesh, and Abe? I think we are. That's okay. Good. And Nebi? Can we go with Nebi? I like Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. Tongue twister for Nebi. Let's go with it. So yeah, I like that. So Shad, Mesh, and Abe, these three guys were great examples of an even-if moment. So Nebi commanded the rulers of the land to bow down and worship the idol he had set up or face the consequences of being thrown into a fire furnace. They were called before Nebi. These three guys were called before him because of refusing to bow down to this image. Uh, think about it. Think about uh, this whole scene that we're, we're talking about here. It just, it's fascinating to me that these three young Hebrews were brought in before for the king, the most powerful ruler on earth. And what did, what did King Nebi do? He gave him a second chance. And, so, and not only did he give him a second chance, but he reiterated the rules just in case they forgot. And he, he told them, he said, at the moment they heard the music play, they were to bow to the image that Nebi had set up. If they didn't obey, they would burn in the furnace. So they clearly knew what the consequences of their choice was. And I love their answer to Nebi in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They'd put their confidence in Jehovah, and they knew that he had the power to deliver them. This is powerful. They didn't even have to think about their choice. I think about that so often. We're faced with a choice, and oh, I need a little time to think about it. <laughs> they were faced with certain death, yeah. and they didn't have to think about it. They just made the choice. The easy answer is, we won't worship anyone but Jehovah, and we know he'll deliver us. But catch this, what they say in verse 18. But even if... Start playing the music. Got the song going. Hear the music. He does not. Even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. There it is. Their even if moment. They had put all their trust and confidence in their Jehovah, and they knew he was sovereign and able to rescue them from this impossible situation. But they determined that even if God didn't decide to rescue them, he was still worthy of their exclusive worship. I am blown away by not only their trust in God, but also their boldness. They were bold. And this wasn't their first time facing a difficult situation. 
Their entire teenage and young adult life was experiencing one figurative fire after another, and here they're about to face a literal fire. So our plan going forward when we interview people on this podcast is to have a list of questions that we'd like to ask them about how they see God and how they experience God and how they saw his provision through um, these difficult times. But unfortunately, when I reached out to Shad, Mesh, and Abe, they couldn't make it on the podcast today. But since we have their recorded story in scripture, I think they can still answer the questions that we have for them. The first question we would ask Shad, Mesh, and Abe is how did they see God's character as they walked through the fire? We, we see their answer to this question when they talked to Nebi right before they received their doom, when they were thrown into the fire. They said, our God whom we serve is able. They had confidence in God's character. They knew he was the only true God that deserved worship, and they knew he was able to save them. They recognized that there are no limitations with God. You know, many times we concentrate on how difficult our difficulties are that we forget how mighty God is. It is in the fire that we need to see that our God is able to do anything, even if it seems impossible. So the next question we would ask these guys is how did they recognize God's sovereignty even when they were about to get barbecued. I think we see the answer to that at the end of verse 17, uh, in the beginning of verse 18. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king, but even if he does not. They had confidence also in his sovereignty. They knew he was in control. He had the power to save them, and they even said he would save them. They told Nebuchadnezzar, but they also put their, tr- put their trust in his decision not to save them, if that's how he chose to get his greatest glory. You know, some folks get a little bit nervous when we use this S word here, God's sovereignty. But there is great rest in knowing that God is in control. There's a great peace. And from our last uh, episode, we, we quoted Psalm 115.3. And that this verse has been such a great encouragement to us. And the psalmist said, Our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. Shad, Mesh, and Abe fully understood this, and it gave them peace as they walked through the fire. Okay, the last question we would ask our courageous young men is, how do you see God's provision during the fire? I love that Nebi actually answered this question for them. In verse 28, after he saw their miraculous rescue, he was like, Guys, did you see what just happened in there? And he said, Blessed be your God who has sent his angel and delivered his servant who put servants who put their trust in him. He didn't just see their rescue or even their great faith, but he saw their great God because of their faith. So so let me get this right. They experienced God's provision, but it then it not only affected them and their life, but it affected an unbelieving world. Yes. And what what can we learn about the fires that we experience? And the thing that I believe that we can learn and take hold of is that our trials should always point people, even unbelievers, to our great God. That can only happen if we say, like Shad, Mesh, and Abe, even if. We'd like to leave you with a quote from Paul David Tripp's devotional book, New Morning Mercies. And I want to read that for you. And then there's, there's, a, there's some verses in the Psalms that we want to finish this podcast out. Paul David Tripp wrote in his devotional book, he said, I think there are times for many of us when we cry out for God's grace, and we get it, but not the grace that we're looking for. We want the grace of relief or release. 
We get those in little pieces, but largely they're not, they are yet to come. What we all really need right now is the grace of transformation. God's grace is not always pleasant. It often comes in the form of something we never would have chosen to go through if we were controlling the joystick. We all need to teach and encourage one another with the theology of uncomfortable grace, because on this side of eternity, God's grace often comes to us in uncomfortable forms. It may not be what you or I want, but it's precisely what we need. God is faithful. He will use the brokenness of the world that is in your present address to complete the loving work of personal transformation that he has begun. Now that's grace. I absolutely love that book. I love the the book by Paul David Tripp. And this, we just read this two days ago as we're going through some or some of our own uncomfortable grace at the moment. And God just used that in such a way to, to speak to our hearts. Just right now is a time of uncomfortable grace that is largely for the point of transformation in our lives. Yes. And I'm just excited about that, even though it's uncomfortable. It's comfortable because we know God's there with us yes. in that uncomfortableness. And at the end of that, he um, has the Psalm 66, verses 8 through 12. It says, Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip? For you, O God, you've tested us. You've tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you brought us out to a place of abundance. And then if you skip down to verse 16, again it said, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I love that that psalm. It's so beautiful. And I, I appreciate the work that, that Paul David Tripp did by making that book and, and adding that psalm in there for our remembrance. We want to thank you for listening to the Hope Through the Fire podcast. We really pray that this episode has been a blessing to you. If it has, give us a review to help get the podcast out to others. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. So join us next time as we find hope through the fire. And see God turn our ashes into something beautiful.